Good morning. It's a real honor to be with you this morning. And I just want to start by expressing deep gratitude uh, to God for Tyndale and uh, all that you do investing, uh, not only in our leaders, in the Christian Missionary Alliance, and many of our lay people. And so I just want to start with an expression of thanks. As I come to chapel this morning, I actually have a little bit of deja vu happening because I remember back in my college days where um, actually we would have chapel every day. And uh, actually it, it was kind of like women sat on one side and guys sat on the other. And uh, in fact, on days like today, as women, we had to wear skirts unless it was minus 21. So it's an honor to be here today. I want to share with you um, just a little bit as, as George shared with you about this whole aspect of moving from distraction to connection. A number of months ago, I was having some problems with my printer, and so I called my IT guy, and so with the team remote viewer, he checked things out, and he said, well, there's nothing wrong with your laptop. I think it's a printer problem. And so he said, what I'd like you to do is if you could unplug your printer and plug it in again, let's see what would happen. Well, instantly it worked. And so we kind of joked around a bit about like, wow, I'm paying you the big bucks just to tell me to unplug it and plug it in again. And then I said to him, what's going on? Like, why does that work? And he said, because every once in a while, your printer loses its connection and it needs to be unplugged and plugged back in again. And can I suggest to you that that's an amazing picture of the Christian's walk with God. It's not like there's something major, you know, a major default with the printer. It was just it needed a fresh connection. And for all of us, that is a common posture that we need to be working on. In the story that was read for us, you know, Jesus is traveling with his disciples. He comes to the village and it says, the scripture says, Martha opens the door, opens the door of her house and invites him in. And he comes and I suspect that Martha and Mary were sitting together at Jesus's feet. <clears throat> and then Martha being the older sister felt like there were some responsibilities that she needed to tend to. So she shuffles off to the kitchen and you can just kind of see her like, you know, she, I sense that this passage in many ways has been a little misunderstood and we often look at it and kind of pit <clears throat> the two of them against each other. Are you a Martha or are you a Mary? But I think it's actually a mistake of understanding this passage because the actual word that the text uses, it says that Martha was distracted, which means she was drawn away. And so I suspect she started with Mary in the right place, but she got distracted, got pulled away. And I don't think this is a passage so much about exalting devotion over exalting service. But I think it's more a passage that we can look at as the journey that all of us are on in moving from distraction into connection. I want to suggest to you as students, especially those of you that are studying theology and studying the scripture and those of you that are in business courses and looking at what are the kingdom mandates that God has for you as you launch forward. It is so easy to be studying all about God and have no connection with him. In fact, you can be so determined that you get your airtight theology down perfect 
and not connect with the living God. You know who has perfect theology? The demons. When Jesus showed up, they had no trouble whatsoever recognizing who he was. They were on their faces before him begging for mercy. Now I'm not in any way putting down our need to have our theology airtight. We better wrestle to the ground what we believe and we better understand it. And we better come to the place where we have first-hand convictions of what we understand the scriptures to teach. But let us not be like the Pharisees where Jesus said, you study the scriptures and they point to me, but you don't come to me. You don't come to me. You know, Martha actually did the right thing. She started in the right place. She invited Jesus to come into her home. As believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we invite Jesus to come and live with us, not just as a guest, but a permanent resident. Now, how many of us, we live under the same roof with other people. You might share a room with someone. You might even share a last name with someone, but you walk like two ships in the night and there's little connection. Can I ask you, is your walk with God like that? Have you connected with him this morning or have you just read your Bible? What does it mean to connect? And I believe this passage is really calling us to a single-hearted devotion to Jesus. Jesus isn't saying, forget about serving me. I don't care about that. Just stay at my feet and learn from me. But he's saying, come and sit at my feet and from that posture, find out what service I want you to press into. Early in my ministry years, someone said to me, Kathy, the need out there is like this and your call is like this. And you must discern before God what this is. Otherwise, your influence will become insignificant because you'll be caught up and you'll probably burn out. So what does that mean? Does that mean, as George suggested, then we just like pack up everything and just kind of become monks and go sequester away somewhere and sit at Jesus' feet? That's not what Jesus did. Jesus was a busy guy. He worked into the night. In fact, his life was so full, his parents were beginning to get on his case. And he'd have a ministry late into the night praying for people. And then the disciples would wake up in the morning and he'd be missing. And they'd go look for him and they'd say, where, where did you go? Like there's all these people lined up outside the door. Come on, man, we got to get praying. And Jesus would say, no, actually we're packing up. We're leaving this village. And they're like, what? All these people, they're lined up. It's like, no, I was with the father and he directed us into a different place, into a different place. You know, whatever happened when Jesus was connecting with his father was so contagious that when he came down from the mountain or he came to be with his disciples, they were like, man, teach us to pray. Whatever's going on up there on that mountain when you're sitting at the feet of the father, we want that. Because something radical is happening and it's leading us into amazing places. 
And this morning as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, that's what we need to say. Jesus, come and teach us how to sit at your feet. How to come and to be like Mary and to listen and to learn. It's not easy. You know, there's many times in my quiet time, I'm like, okay, I'm following my reading plan. I'm spending my time with Jesus. It's like, oh, maybe I should listen to a worship song first. Or, or, or maybe I should read a psalm first. And you start somewhere and then you jump over. Anybody like that? And then I'm kind of like, oh, I'm really trying to connect with you, but it's stressful. And I remember one time being in this mode of stress and I'm like, Jesus, help me. And you know what he said? He just drops this thought into my spirit. He says, Kathy, I don't really care what we do. I just want to be with you. You know, it's kind of like with your best friend or your boyfriend or your girlfriend. What are we going to do Friday night? I don't really care. I just want to be with you. That's God's heart. That's God's heart for us. So what are some practical steps to help us to move from distraction to connection. Well, the very first one is we need to ask Jesus to make us aware of what is distracting us. Martha didn't think she was distracted. She was doing what was a cultural obligation for her. She was doing what she thought she needed to do. You know, it's different for all of us. Some of us, we have to have headsets on 24-7 or else we can't concentrate. Others of us have to have total silence for us to concentrate. For some, what's a distraction isn't for another. But in the process, as we move from distraction to connection, let's not beat ourselves up. I don't believe for a moment that Jesus is kind of scolding Martha here. I don't know if any of you have listened to Graham Cook, uh, Cook with an E, Amazing speaker and author out of the UK who's presently working in California. But he says, I was growing and trying to become, you know, growing and trying to hear God's voice and be in prayer. And he said, my mind constantly was getting distracted. And he said, I finally said to Jesus, I can't do this. And Jesus says, that's okay. Don't beat yourself up when your mind wanders, go get it and bring it back. Like, don't, don't get so hung up on that. I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. The second thing we need to do is we need to grow at becoming fully present wherever you are. You know, this is one of the biggest blessings and biggest curses out there. Okay. Now I suspect most of you have your quiet time with your smartphone. In fact, even as George read for us, if you were following along, you might have pulled out your smartphone. So you're having your quiet time and oops, a text message comes in, a Facebook message comes in, a tweet comes in. Well, I'm just going to chase that one and I'll be right back, Jesus. And then you know what it's like. You get back into your Facebook and then you have to see this and see this and like 10 minutes later. What would it look like if we put our phones on airplane mode? when we're hanging out with Jesus or when you come to class or when you come to chapel, just a small little thing. You know, I think we need to ask the Lord to help us. What does it look like to have the blinders that we need? Good blinders to help us to stay focused. 
Another thing that we need to grow in as Christians is choosing to be counterculture. Martha was wrestling because Mary was making a countercultural choice. We live in a busy city. Many of you have work responsibilities, family responsibilities, study responsibilities, and each one of those comes with a culture. There's academic cultural expectations. There's church culture expectations. There's ethnic cultural expectations. You know, Martha, I can just see her in the kitchen. She's kind of like, you know, get over here. You're supposed to be with me. I'm the older sister. You're the younger sister. What are you doing over there? And then that's not working. So she's kind of clamoring around with the pots and making noise and that's still not working. So finally she has the gall to go over to the guest and kind of say, will you release her so she can come? Mary risked the rejection of her sister. But what Jesus says to her is awesome. Jesus says, she has chosen well, and I am not going to take this away from her. And I believe God says to us, brothers and sisters, as we make that choice to be counterculture, whatever that is for you, you make that choice and God is going to come and he's going to deal with the Marthas in your life that are frustrated with your choices. What's another counterculture move? You know, what was it that stirred up in Martha that had her feel like she couldn't stay focused here? You know, all of us have stuff. I hate to break it to you, but we're all screwed up. We're all in need of counseling and help and ministry. And I want to encourage you uh, from the front end of the game, be someone who deals with your stuff. That's counterculture. The norm is just, I'm pushing it down. I'm going to just keep busy and motoring and hope it goes away. You've got awesome access here to spiritual directors, to counselors, to all sorts of resources. It's not shameful. It's probably the wisest thing you could do. And what about your Sabbath day? You know, it's interesting to me. Churches would never for a moment think of preaching against tithing. Like that's a must. You must tithe. But you know what's so interesting to me? Tithing is not one of the Ten Commandments. But the Sabbath rest is. You know, do you believe that God can do more with six days of your week than you can do with seven. Can you trust him with that? <clears throat> can you make that counterculture decision to say, you know what? On this day, I'm not studying. This day, I'm not. Uh, it doesn't mean you just go to your church and fill it up with all sorts of activities. You know, sometimes in the circles that I'm working at, one of the things that I'm often saying to people is you're doing way too much in church. You need to take care of yourself. What does it look like to make that counterculture move? And then last but not least, and I want to close with this. 
We often use that expression, practice makes perfect. I want to suggest to you that practice makes presence. You need to begin to practice being aware of the presence of God. I'm sure any of you that have taken the spiritual formation course, one of the things that they've put before you is the prayer of examine. I call it my GPA. You know, G for gratitude. Just take a few moments in the beginning of your quiet time. Lord, as I think back over my last 24 hours, what can I be grateful for? And then the P stands for presence. As I think back over the last 24 hours, when did I sense God's presence? He's present all the time. But when did I sense his presence? And then A is for absent. God is never absent, but there are times in our lives where we feel like he is. And as you look back in your day, it's like, where did I feel God wasn't with me? Often those are the places that might be some of the the roots to the distraction and the thing that you want to bring into your prayer time. You know, God isn't looking for a 911 relationship with you. He does not want to be your help desk. He wants to do life with you. In fact, John 15 says, abide with me as I abide with you. Think about that. I get the part about I'm supposed to abide with Christ, but that he wants to abide with me. He wants to do life with me. That is radical. One of our pastors, Vietnamese pastor in Ottawa, he sets an alarm on his watch to go off every hour just to kind of remind him that he's walking 24-7 with God. Now, I don't know if he does it at night or not. I haven't asked him through his sleep. But what are some things that you can do to help you be aware that every moment of your life you're not alone? In that exam that you have to write, Jesus is sitting right there with you. How awesome is it that you have the mind of Christ? My favorite exam verse is Jeremiah 33, 3. Call unto me and I will show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. It's the first laugh I've gotten out of you yet. As you move from here, as you graduate and you move into ministry and you move into business, God isn't just giving you an education. He doesn't just want you to have degrees. He wants you to develop this ability to connect and walk with him so that he can intersect every part of your life. I have a friend who's a physio. And she'll often be working on someone who's had a difficult injury and she'll say, God, is there, you made this person. Is there anything you want to download, a technique you want to download into my spirit right now that I could practice? And she says, something will come and immediately I'll start using it and it will work. Graham Cook formerly was a businessman and he would get really stressed out in his work. There would be lots of things on his plate that were too much. And he would say to his secretary, he would say, would you just hold my calls for the next 20 minutes? I just need to kind of get refocused. And then he closed the door and he just, Jesus, come and sit at Jesus' feet and bring all of his business issues and his struggles before him. 
So I want to close with something counterculture this morning. Okay? So I'm going to ask if God has been speaking to you and you feel like you need to have your printer unplugged and plugged in again, you need fresh connection, you need God to hit the refresh button in your walk with God, I'm just going to ask you to stand and I'm going to pray for you. We're not going to linger long, okay? So if, that, if you would like that, I'm just going to ask you to stand and I'm going to pray. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, I praise you. I praise you that you never quit in this relationship with us. You sit there and wait for us to acknowledge you, but you never leave. And the Bible says you stand there with your arms wide open always before an obstinate people, it says in Romans. And so, Jesus, we repent. We repent for ways we've just taken you for granted. We repent for the ways we've been so easily distracted. And I thank you that you know us well. You know us well. Lord, you know every single person that's here intimately. You know the plans and destiny that you have for them that will blow their minds. You are going to change the world with them because you love them. And so, Father, I just ask right now that your spirit would come for each person here and that you would push that refresh button. Lord, we can only come to you because you draw us to yourself. So would you come and breathe on us afresh as we were singing about, would you come and awaken us in the parts that have gone to sleep? We thank you. We thank you for your everlasting love. We worship you. We bless you. We say with the disciples, Spirit of the living God, come and teach us to pray. Increase our awareness of you. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Would you just all stand with me and I'll just deliver a benediction. Father, thank you for each one of these precious people. May you go knowing that you have access to the same spirit that Jesus had. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And whatever challenges or difficulties you are facing today, Jesus is right there giving you full attention. May you experience him afresh. God bless.